Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. In no way, shape, or form am I saying that he caused that or it was his fault. I am not saying that. What I am saying is sometimes our choices in life, if the number one rule is never to go alone and you go alone, if the number one rule is never go alone and you go alone, then what we have to do is we have to be willing to endure the consequences. Again, I am not saying that he deserved that. I don't want that for anybody. In this life, if Jesus is saying, never go alone, and we do it our way. If Jesus is saying, wait till you get married, and we do it our way. If Jesus is saying, show honor, spouses, uh, to adults, to parents, and you use your free will to do whatever you want to do. Women, if God says submit, and we get caught up in this feminist movement, and we do things our way, is it God's fault or is it our choice? But that ain't the sermon I'm talking about today. We will deal with our choices another time. I will just give you that one. And so there is the perfect will of God. Even Jesus himself was saying, don't go. But Paul was compelled to do. He was doing good. And it all falls apart. Point two, God will not force you to do things his way. You have a choice. Paul had a choice. And what did Jesus respond to him? I'm going to go back to uh, verse 21. I skipped that part. It says, but the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That was not Jesus's or God's perfect will, but that was his permissive will. So every time we make a choice, God may not come and thump us or steer us away because we do have a permissive will. But he said, go. God had already spoken final word. Paul was pleading his case. I must do this. He had an urgency in him. I was the one persecuting, so let me go and do this. I'm willing to die. I'm willing to go to jail. And Jesus said, all right, <laughs> we'll see. Number two, God will not force you to do things his way. You have a choice. Deuteronomy 30, 15, and 16 says, now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster, for I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you, and the land you are about to enter. He's talking to uh, the, the children of Israel on their, as their journey. Deuteronomy 30, 17 and 18 says, but if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and you do not draw away and you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods in this culture, another God is not just a golden calf. The number one God that we'll struggle with serving is ourselves in this culture, is our flesh, our way of doing things doing things just because we can. I'll tell you this, I say it all the time, the greatest right you have as a believer is not to exercise every right you have as a believer. 
the Bible is our final word and our final authority. Verse 18, then I warn you now. You see the love of God? He warned Paul in Acts 22. This is God speaking before Jesus has even come. So God is never going to allow us to get into some things without warning us. If you look at the movie with Tom Hanks, he was so busy. He was so committed to his job. Even if there were some warnings, he was the type of person like Paul. He was just going to press through. He was a bit of a workaholic. He was uh, very, very distracted, but he was very passionate. He was in leadership. He was just really the man making it happen. And it wasn't for vain glories. He just was committed. But even in all that commitment, sometimes we can miss the warning signs. He says, then I warn you that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long and good life. That is not a curse from God. Remember, we can be undercover or we have a choice. God is still with us, but there will be some consequences to that. Point three, God's plan for you is always for your good and for his glory. We're still not at Acts 27, mind you. In Acts 23, 11, it says, That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged. This is why after he's already arrested, because he is still set on going to Jerusalem to preach the word. And he knows that the Jews there, not only are they uh, just pretty hostile, there are lies that are going before him saying, oh, he's telling the rest of the, the, the Jews to, to forsake our laws, to not do all of these things. And so the, it's not just anger. It is all out rage. And it wasn't from the unbelievers. This is from the church leadership. These are the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanting to do him harm. So that night the Lord appeared to Paul. This is him appearing again. It says, be encouraged, Paul. Just as, you, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. And so we're going to see down the line, okay, now he's in Jerusalem. He's facing all this persecution, and he's doing what he's supposed to do. And the Lord replied to him in Acts 26. We're leading up to chapter 27. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. What Paul is doing right here is he is explaining, he's pleading his case before King Agrippa because he's arrested. They're lying on him, but every governor, every king, everybody, they can't find what did he do so wrong. He's just preaching Jesus. Even in him wanting to go, guess what, y'all? He's preaching Jesus. And there are people hearing and listening. Even some of those haters in the crowd, God is allowing his testimony to open up their ears. So what Paul is doing, he is not just looking at his current circumstances. Remember, the title of our message is uh, Trials, Tribulations, and Triumphs. He was on trial for a crime he didn't commit for preaching Jesus. They're making up lies, and every time they say one lie, it is refuted, so they're coming up with other lies. So now he's talking to King Agrippa, and he's pleading his case. He's going back to God's original plan for him, and this is why he was so passionate. It says, and the Lord replied to me, this account is his road to Damascus account that he's given to King Agrippa. 
I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. This was before he was Paul. He was still Saul. Now get on your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart in faith by me. That was his conversion experience. God has spoken that word to his heart, and I think he did like Mary. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah, one translation says, and she quietly hid these things in her heart. So though Paul knew he was going to face some trials and tribulations, I believe he was still standing on that original word from God. Another reason why the Jews were so vehemently angry with him is they felt that the Gentiles, you and me, were not Jewish. They're not God's chosen people. How dare you invite them in? Modern day translation, racial divide. How dare? If you're black pastors, I can't believe you've got white people that come to your church. No disrespect. This is what you wouldn't believe what, what people say to pastor other pastors. Call him, what are you doing? What are you doing to get other people? You got white and Latina, Hispanic, and I've just got all black. What are you doing? So the Jews were feeling like if we're Jews and you're Gentiles, I'm feeling like this all belongs to us. We're the majority. You don't deserve anything. You're dogs. And God was saying, no, I'm sending you to them. So now we're putting it all together. Sometimes the call of God on your life, you will face opposition. And a call of God is not exclusive to the pulpit. It is not. Don't think that you are any less called. Just be happy that people don't talk about you. (laughs) They mad if you're not their friend. You didn't invite them someplace. And then they'll talk about you to other people. And then they all get their toys and they leave your church. Then they go to another church to talk about you, and then that pastor won't invite you to preach because these people don't talk about it. This is in the church, y'all. And so, yeah, this, it, it's not all that. Is this right here. It's the Monday through Saturday that makes this possible. And this is not really that fun, but you are worth it. So the call of God on your life may Just be in parenting. The call of God on your life may be in working in the marketplace. The call of God on your life may be a supportive role. It may be a leadership role. It may just be that you just pray for your girlfriends. The call of God on your life may come out in counseling sessions. If you're just at the church all the time, but you got a gift of counseling when people want to commit suicide, but you're up here cleaning out under the stage with me for children's church and somebody really needs your help. You are no less called than I am. Different market. Because I love Jesus, but I don't have the profession. It's only so far I can take them. And I need you because I'm sending them to you. Got two on the list right now, so I'm going to talk to you after church. And so the call of God on your life may to be to be a father to somebody you don't have to be a father to. 
The call of God may be on your life that is broken and as hard as things are that your family still sees you praying every morning. The call of God on your life may be the legacy you leave your grandchildren because though you have tears and a broken heart, they see you trusting God the whole way. That could be the call of God on your life. The call of God on your life could be to iron your wife's clothes when she has to preach on Sunday morning. Because he does that. The call of God may just be to serve. He does it. Yes. I had an event yesterday, and I needed to be a blessing, and it was late. And here I come. I pull in the driveway, and there he is, open the door, standing. I don't even have to take my key out. Just come in the house. He said, just leave the iron up. It'll be all right. What do you need? That has nothing to do with this right here. So the call of God on your life, it may be with some great opposition, but don't let the circumstance trick you to thinking, is God? See that voice that says, oh, remember in 1985 when you smoke weed? That's why this is happening. Let me tell y'all a funny story. This is not in my notes. So I was a children's pastor at a church not so far away. And the children's pastors at churches, they are in charge of VBS. And so when you're in charge of VBS, you always want to have, you need volunteers. So this particular VBS could have about 345 kids. So I need about 215 volunteers. So you just, if they breathe, they have a pulse and they've accepted Jesus. You'll just take them. And they don't have anything bad on their background check. So I'm getting all these volunteers and I've got to do these background checks. So they fill it out. And I mean, I've got stacks to do. Like it took me a day and a half just to do the background checks. Cause when people work with your kids, we have to right now, it, if, if you don't even have to go far, the background check, it'll, a stop sign will come up and you already know that they can't work for children. But this particular, this was years ago. So I get these stacks and then I get a call in my office and it's a gentleman. And he was one of our, Pastor Ray was a singles pastor at that time. And he was like, uh, 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 um, uh, Miss Wendy, can I just come by the office and, and talk to you? And I said, sure. And he's a gentle nature, but he was really nervous. And I said, what's going on? And he said, well, well, I know, you know, I volunteered for, for, for vacation Bible school. He said, but, and I know you have to run the background checks. And um, I just, it, you may see some things on there. And I'm thinking, <gasps> is there a violator among us? I'm like, why is he doing true confession? Because I will call the police. Don't let this, <laughs> don't let this church office fool you. Because I'm thinking, why is he getting this deep confession? And he was like, well, we'll see, in, in, in 85, I just, I, I had a, a problem um, with Coke. And so, uh, you know, my friends and I, we, we got high, and then we, we ordered food from a restaurant, and, and, and we ran, and we didn't pay the bill. And I was like, oh, is that all? <laughs> you know, I'm just so relieved he hadn't messed with nobody's kid. I was like, that's easy. And so then I just assured him, and you know, you can't laugh at people because that was like the confession of his heart. He was like, I don't want you to see me on camera running away high from this restaurant down a deep alum. And I was like, oh, brother so-and-so, it's okay. I said, the only thing I look for is violations against kids, and it's just a stop sign will come up. All that stuff won't come up. He's like, oh. 
And then he was a little embarrassed because now he had just done two confessions and it wasn't, it was not necessary. However, a background check can save somebody of identity theft. One of the late, remember Lena Smith? I mean, her husband is the mayor of Prosper. And I did a background check and it said Grand Theft Auto on it. I was like, Lena, you got a Grand Theft Auto. She was like, what? So background checks can come in handy in more ways than one. That had nothing to do with the message. But anyway, where was I? Where was I? God's plan for you is always good. And you can face opposition. And so Paul has decided to go in God's permissive will. Notice Paul wasn't sitting talking to his friends about his decision. He talked to the Lord. It's okay to talk to your friends. We encourage you to go to a counselor. But most importantly, hear from God because he was getting himself in a situation that friends couldn't even help. Finally, we have arrived. Acts 27, verses 1 and 2. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Now, remember, God's word is said that you would preach in Jerusalem and in Rome. Because Paul was facing such opposition, he was like, I want to take my case before Caesar. Good decision. He's filling out the prophecy. Jesus has said, when he, on the road to Damascus, you'll teach in Jerusalem and in Rome. He's leaving Jerusalem. But, oh, this is where the storm comes. You would not believe that, yes, on your way to destiny and fulfillment, there can be a great, great storm. It says, Paul and several other prisoners, he's in prison now, were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. This guy, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was in that place on the southwestern coast of the province of Asia. I practice at home, but I'm not even going to try. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. Verse 7, we're skipping down. We had several days of slow sailing. On the way... To what you want, job, marriage, financial freedom. This is the analogy. There were several days of slow sailing. And after great difficulty, we finally neared Nidus. The wind was against us. Had God spoken a word to him? Does he have the blessing of Jesus? Slow sailing. The wind is against them. Great difficulty. Don't let your circumstance fool you and talk you out of the plan of God. So we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salome. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We had lost a lot of time. Who's telling themselves, "Mm, that time has passed. I should have gone to school a long time ago. Mm, Been believing for a husband for about 30 years now. Maybe it's not just for me. Don't let your circumstance lie to you. The weather was becoming dangerous 
for sea travel because it was in the late fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officer about, about it. So he's in prison, but he's called to be a man of God and to be a leader. Even in chains, the call of God on your life is still very relevant and active. Don't let the chains tell you, what are you struggling with that you're thinking, oh, I really can't do this because I've got this struggle right here. The more you move toward God, those things will fall off. But be who God's called you to be, even with the chains on. Here he is. It says that he spoke to the captain. He said, men, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well, says the man who argued with Jesus after Jesus told him not to even go. But now he's in God's permissive will, and God is sending him on to Rome. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and to the owner than to Paul. So who among our group is saying, see, they don't never listen? I'm not even going to tell my boss any more good ideas because they don't ever listen to me. You don't stop being who you are because they don't recognize it yet. That is a stamp of approval from God. He still spoke up. They didn't listen. But they all on the same boat. And since Fairhaven was, an, Fairhaven was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, further up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. The weather is bad. Paul originally not even supposed to be on this boat. They've got prisoners on the boat. It's winter time. The wind is against them. It's already been prophesied. You're going to lose a lot. And they still want to go ahead. Wives, if you're dealing with a, a husband and he's just, or husband, you could be dealing with a wife and they're not, they're just not there yet. Don't jump the ship. Sometimes having you there in faith will make the difference. But y'all will go through something. And so I came to shake up the apple cart. I don't know about you, but I come from that generation where we just thought nobody told us this, but we thought that if we just trust God and we came to church and we didn't have sex and we didn't smoke and we didn't dance, that life was going to be all great. And so I didn't have sex and I didn't smoke and I didn't dance. And then my first husband left me for his ex-girlfriend. And I was like really confused because nobody told me that in this life you will have trouble. I hadn't read that scripture yet. So I'm telling you, in this life, a life with God, you're going to go through something. But what makes the difference for us? We have God on our side. It says in verse 18, the next day, I'm still in, in 27, we're skipping all around. The next day, a, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Sometimes disobedience will cost you more than you ever intended to pay. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. A terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and stars until at last all hope was gone. The reason why the writer here says that it was the sun and stars were blotted out is because seamen needed to be able to predict the weather by the sun and the stars. 
It was completely blotted out and black. They couldn't see what was ahead. They're trapped from where they were to where they need to be. And things are getting worse. On the way to God's destiny, all heck is breaking loose. And not only are they afraid, they are losing money by the second. And they've got prisoners on board. If you are a guard and you've got prisoners, those prisoners better arrive or they better be dead or it's going to be your life. So it's not just one situation. It is thing after the thing after thing. So when life is just, you feel like that weeble wobble, bam, you get knocked. You bounce back up, bam, you get knocked. And then sometimes because of our wrong theology and our emotional turbulence, we say there is no use to serve God. Just give up. Forget going to church. I'm mad. I'm just going to do it my way. If you can be in the storm with Jesus, what's going to happen without him? I've been there, but we will not testify today. Amen. We're going to talk about Paul's business. All right. They are feeling hopeless. It is not a sin to be hopeless. But we've got to work through that emotion and the circumstance, even in the dark. We've got to grope for God. If you reach out for him, you'll notice, boom, you've always been there. God's not requiring for you to do, to do, to do, to be. I got to be better. I got to do more. I got to stop. I got. He only wants you to believe. That's what grace is all about. It's not in the doing, going to church and stop. The, when you come to church and you fall in love with God, when you read your Bible, when you're listening to worship, those things will take care of themselves. Now, I'm not saying you just do what you want to do. Brother Hagen, this is not in my notes, had a funny story. Brother Hagen is the founder of Rhema Bible Training Center, which is the Bible college that Pastor Ray and I, we went to, we met there. So Brother Hagen, he is from McKinney, Texas. And so in the 30s and 40s, you know, he's preaching all around. And he said he's walking down the street. And it, we got him when he was old, so he'd walk with a little hobble. He said he's walking down the street. And a young man came up to him and he said, Brother Hagen? Show me in the Bible where the Bible says, thou shalt not smoke a cigarette. And he said, well, my good sir, it's nowhere in the Bible says, thou shalt not smoke a cigarette. He said, so it's not a sin to smoke a cigarette? And Brother Hagin said, this is what I want you to do, is every time you smoke a cigarette, you light it up and you say, oh, God, I'm doing this for your glory. He said, go ahead on and smoke your cigarette. <laughs> and so Brother Hagin tried to go around him, and the man stopped him again. He said, but it don't say anywhere in the Bible, thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. And Brother Hagin said, the Bible does not say thou shalt not eat strychnine. You don't do it, do you? <laughs> and he said, just do what I say. Every time you light a cigarette, say, oh, God, I'm doing it for your glory. And smoke your cigarette. And he went on about his business. <laughs> Two weeks later, he's preaching a revival somewhere in West Texas. He said, here comes a man walking down the middle of the aisle when it's prayer time. He said, Brother Hagin, I did what you said, and it's all your fault. I can't even pick up a cigarette now. He said, I picked up a cigarette. I lit it. I said, God, I'm doing it for your glory. And I got two puffs, and I just put it out. I said, oh, man. He said, and I went and got me another pack, a brand new pack, and I picked it up, and I started smoking. I said, God, I'm doing it for your glory. I got one puff out of that. He said, you know what I did? I just broke the whole pack in half, and I threw it away, and it's all your fault. And Brother Hagin said, the man just walked, got his hat and walked right out to church. <laughs> but he was free. <laughs> Yes, yes. 
I don't know what that had to do, but amen. We miss you, Brother Hagin. All right, verse 21. Now that all hope is gone, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul, everybody say leadership. leadership. You can still lead in chains. Some chains a little tighter than others. <laughs> like the VBS story, if you got something on your record, you can't lead there, but God can help you someplace else. Don't let your current afflictions talk you out of what God has called you to do. If you didn't have that thing, those things, what you going to testify about when you get free? But so many years I would just carry such shame from having been left by my first husband. Just shame for having been, I mean, shame, shame. Like the kind of shame when you have to mark on if you married, divorced, like you're just holding the, just hiding the whole page, like just marking it real small and turning the paper over so nobody will see because you're still in your 20s and you just can't realize that how silly you were and how much you miss God. Just that kind of shame. But God still had called me. I still was called. But I was trying to talk myself out of the calling because of my circumstance. He's still a leader, even in chains. So Paul called, to the crew, called the crew together. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete, says the man who argued with Jesus. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Repeat after me. Say, the ship, the ship. will go down. But God is with me. Verse 23. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and to whom I serve, stood beside me. You guys, he's there. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Don't let your circumstance fool you. God can be with you, is with you, shall be with you in the storm and the mess. Jesus had already spoken. You're going to speak. He's going. But along the path, you know, those storms come just to knock you out of your destiny. They come. God is not sitting back watching you and smiling and watching you go through. But Satan surely is. I could just only imagine Satan just eating popcorn saying, they're going to give up. They're going to give up. They're going to give up. Watch, watch, watch. Let me do this. They're going to give up. They ain't going to fulfill it. Ah. So sometimes you just got to go through with your chin up and your chest out just to make the devil a liar. He's betting on you to fail. God is betting on you to succeed. So I want you to see, look at your own life. Have that bird's eye view. Was it that you really were a mess up? Was it that somebody did something wrong? Or was it God's plan the whole time leading and guiding you to the other side? You will arrive in Rome. If God spoke it, it will come to pass. It will, you don't even have to bet on it. It's a sure thing. Let's go back to the scripture. Verse 27, about midnight on the 14th night of the storm. 
as they were being driven across the sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. And so it goes into how they, you know, letting down anchors, trying to keep the ship from going all wonky and everything. But then it's getting so bad, some of the sailors decide to abandon the ship. I'm at verse 30. They lowered the lifeboat as they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the sailors cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. You know why we teach unity so strong here at City Church? Look at this example. The sailors had an opportunity. They're like, we're not prison guards. We done lost all our cargo. We're not prisoners. We don't have nothing to do with this. We're gonna get in the lifeboat and peace out. But everything would have been lost. Everybody had to be together. So they're in this boat. The boat is a place of safety right now, right? The boat is getting them to where they want to be, right? Yes, we'll see. It says, uh, verse 40. So they cut off the anchors let them fall into the sea. They lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, headed towards shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. And the bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. Now the only last bit of safety is falling apart. The thing that they need to get them to where they're going in just a little bit of safety is now falling apart. It says in verse 30, 42, the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. Remember, if you're in charge of the prisoner, they better be with you. They better be dead or you, you're going to pay your life for theirs. So it's a big deal. So they're getting into a panic and it says, but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. Everybody say favor. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. You being in the midst of all of that storm could be the very factor that saved somebody's life. By your faith. It didn't say it's no two or three witnesses on this boat. It's Paul alone. He's got enough Jesus in him that him being there is the determining factor of their safety. And he is in chains, y'all. Don't let your circumstance fool you. Get that situation that's been tormenting you, and I want you to say to yourself, it wasn't my fault. Say it again. It's not my fault. And I say, Lord, help me. Verse 43 but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first to make for land. The others held onto the planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. So you got some broken pieces in your life? Did you think it just broken, ugly pieces? Could those broken things be the very thing that gets you to where you're supposed to be? The ship, the big thing that was supposed to carry them to safety is all torn apart. But God spoke a word and they're still going to make it to safety. 
Don't discard your broken pieces and hide them and be so ashamed. Sometimes those broken pieces are just enough. See, we think the boat, the relationship, the connection, the hookup, the prayer from the pastor, we think that thing is necessary, all of it, is going to get us to where we need to be. But sometimes it's just a little piece of something that's been broken and shattered just enough to get you to where you need to be. Don't worry about the boat breaking up. You get your stuff. I would have been one that needed a piece of the broken boat. I don't know how to swim yet. Serious. That's why I was losing my breath when I watched the clip every time. So what if I was a person that was ashamed of broken pieces or too good to deal with broken pieces? And I could drown right where I am in my sin. The broken pieces, you already heard this old analogy. How do they make stained glass window, windows? Those beautiful, elaborate things that we don't hardly ever see anymore. That wasn't just from nice, pristine glass. They took broken pieces and put them together, put them in some fire and shaped them and made something very beautiful out of them. Same thing with your life. Take all those broken pieces. You might only have one good broken piece. Let that thing just be enough and you just kick your way to safety. That's all you need. Those that were strong enough that could swim and go ahead, they could do it. But what if you're not that strong? What if you don't know that many scripture? What if you're too ashamed? It's okay. Take that broken piece. What the little drummer boy say when Jesus was born? He said, all I can offer you is my song. I don't have anything else. But I will play my drum for you. You can take that broken piece Jesus, I don't have much, but I'm going to ask you to turn this into something. And he will. He will. He will. He will. All right, I'm getting ready to close up. We're going to go on to Acts 28 because if you're anything like me, you're like, okay, what happened at the end? Once they were safe on shore, we learned that we were on an island, uh, on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. Everyone say favor. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Everybody say, ah, it feels good. They've been on that ship 14 days, hadn't eaten, stressed out, about to die, soldiers about to get killed, Paul preaching in his chains and being a leader. Everybody's afraid, and they make it to land, and it's like, oh, hold on. Verse 3. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. It just went from really bad to really worse. I know the word is worse, but those of you know what I'm talking about. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice did not permit him to live. People going to talk about you. They talked about him right in his face. People not knowing any better, they'll think, aha, see, she must not have been so holy her husband left her. Oh, was she really that called her kids all in the street acting a monkey? Oh, was he all that good? You know, he lost his job. And so could he have been praying that much? People don't know any better and they will talk. Don't be mad at them. 
Just let Jesus arise in you. Look at what happens, though. It says, uh, verse 5, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. But the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop down. They'll just be waiting, waiting to see what you're going to do, waiting to see how long you're going to trust God, waiting to see if you're going to turn back, waiting to see if you're going to give it up, waiting to see if you're going to do like the rest of the world, waiting to see when you're going to go to happy hour and just get it all drunk and just, just, just answer it the way the world answers. People will stand back and wait and see, but why be mad? If God be for me, who can be against me? We're not trying to be arrogant in people watching us. We, you know, people talk about haters and everything. But if you've got Christ in you, why isn't it an honor for them to see you respond in a Christ-like manner? Don't be mad because they're watching. While they're watching you, guess what somebody might say at the office cooler? Hey, I notice all this is going on and you're still a little happy about it. Why? And you could say, oh, let me buy you coffee. Let me tell you about a man who knew everything about me. Why wouldn't you want people to watch you and have a God response? Second closing. <laughs> and the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds. And now they decided he was a God. They didn't say, oh, well, I'm going to serve God. They're like, oh, this man didn't die. So go with what God says because the crowd can be fickle. One minute they're calling him a murderer, and just because he didn't die, they're like, oh, he's a God. Where was all that God talk with the snake? Not anybody trying to help him. They're like, aha, I knew it. I knew he wasn't that saved. You about to die here. He made it through the storm, but now he's going to die right in front of us. And they're watching, waiting for his demise. And now they want to celebrate him. Don't worry about the crowd. Don't be mad on me putting stuff, posting. I ain't need you back then. I don't need you now. No. Let them see Jesus. Don't be putting all the memes up of all that. That's not drawing nobody to Jesus. Thank you. Just let them keep watching. Why wouldn't you want somebody else to be saved? Why wouldn't, you want, why wouldn't we want someone else to experience the same grace that we're experiencing? So we're about to show the, the final clip, and you'll understand this. My fifth point, keep breathing. Everybody take a deep breath. You are alive. Stay here. Ride out the storm. You notice Paul wasn't on the boat by himself. You are not in this thing alone. Just keep breathing. The lighter tells you, mm, let me just throw in the towel. Let me just take these pills. Let me just get this gun. Mm -mm. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. I almost titled this message, It Came to Pass. Those, that storm came to pass. We're in the thick and the heat 
of summer right now in July in Texas. It came to pass. It's not going to be this hot in December. We pray not, Jesus. Maybe October, November. Fall is coming. Winter is coming. Then spring will come around. It came to pass. Keep breathing. Keep believing. The same wave that rolled in for your destruction could be the very wave that rolls you straight into your destiny. That's what happened in Castaway. It was the tide that took him 6,000 miles off course. You know how he put together a little boat with some trees? And it was the tide that got him back out into the ocean to be saved. Let's go ahead and run this final clip. That's your word. Whether it's your fault, whether it was their choices, God is still God. The storm will come, but it will come to pass. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.